Tyler. Unfortunately. How's it going? Well, honestly, I don't know. Today's a very strange feeling day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it's Saturday. It is. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means. Uh, that means it's the end of the traditional seven-day week? That's part of it, and it also means that today is the day that we record the Super Whiskey Bros podcast. I mean, traditionally, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone would know that since we never release them on a Saturday. We could tell record this on a Monday and be like, what a great Saturday you're having, Sean. And then you'd be like, yes, Saturday. Yeah, stop giving away our secrets. Um, mm-hmm. It's not much of a secret if I tell everyone now, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was the whole point. Oh, good point. <clears throat> but I do have one fantastic thing, though. And that is I'm about to pour the very last of my monkey shoulder. And the bottle sounds much, much better now that it's mostly empty. Okay. <laughs> no, see, see, listen. That was very satisfying. <laughs> that, was, that is quite satisfying. I will give you that. Well, I just finished pouring myself a very nice cup of coffee. I'm dying. I'm absolutely dying when I'm having coffee. Mm. Although I did have uh, I did have whiskey last week for us, so I'm trying to get back and doing it more, but more and more I'm getting less and less sleep, and I want to be awake when we do this. Who knows why? Uh, I mean... I have the I have that that sensation that I had uh, a couple weeks ago when uh like I felt pretty good and then as soon as the recording session was over I couldn't remember a single word I said and mm-hmm. that's about how I I feel about the same way this morning so we'll see how this goes This is going to go poorly um <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am struggling, and I'm sure once we get started, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll remember because obviously mm-hmm. I've, I've I've read this book multiple times. Um, I, I I'd like to think I'm pretty well, pretty decently well versed in it. Um, but I did not read this book last night because we kind of decided what we were going to uh, do for this morning at what eight o'clock yesterday, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd end up not having time to review book four of Mere Christianity. Spoiler, that's what we're doing. And I'm just going to hope that I remember enough to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's okay, because I also haven't read the book since the last time we did a Mere Christianity podcast. So, oh, by the way... Uh, you you guys are going to listen to this and you're going to say book four but you never finished book three and the answer is you're right we did but uh, the recording got all all 18 different flavors are screwed up and <coughs> it um uh, it didn't work out so yeah the last but it's okay you guys didn't want that episode anyway it was our our worst one yet. We were trying to rush through and get stuff done as quickly as possible because there was stuff that had to be done uh, on Tyler's end afterward, and like it was, it, it was ridiculous. Like it's you, you guys are glad that episode didn't didn't record. We properly. were well, we were trying to take on a very ambitious chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that I mean that made it worse and I was like oh, I have to be gone by this time and you're like oh yeah, cool we can do that we're just doing chapter it's still an hour and of course book three is just insanely <coughs> dense and it's mm-hmm. just impossible to get through properly so yeah this uh, book four is gonna be uh, I'm not sure book four is either gonna we're either gonna have a short episode about book four or it's gonna take more than one why not both uh, more than no, one no, take that back. We've got to get this done because mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's so much stuff that we keep talking about that we want to do, and we're but we're just because we just want to finish this book. There's so many things we haven't done because we haven't finished this book. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm extremely salty. We're not doing um, another video play through this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love this book, but I would love to be rid of it for the sake of the podcast. Okay. Well. Then I suppose we'll start with chapter one, making and begetting. And begetting. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, he starts off uh, with an analogy uh, where he's like, hey, nobody nobody wants theology. Give me good practical religion. And he gave um, uh, the example of a friend of his that was in the Royal Air Force and said, I, I, can't, I can't abide your, your Christian creeds and platitudes and and whatnot because I met God in the desert and once you once you actually meet God then the rest of it you know once you had the real thing the rest of it is just nonsense um uh, and um uh, uh, and he said yes that and he agreed with the man and said yes in a way that's kind of true he said uh, in the same way that once you've been on the Atlantic Ocean, to look at a map of the Atlantic Ocean is, uh, you know, it's just not nearly as good. But you can only see so much of the Atlantic Ocean at one time being out there. But if you have the map, you can understand it so much better. True. <clears throat> the um, uh, what's the quote from that? I'm trying to remember something really good. I have that quote actually in some notes. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is a really interesting. Um, thing to this was interesting thing to me because when i first read mere christianity mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of people authors i should say that i dove into that really hit this particular thing very hard because mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of um or at least all the, the christians that i've talked to uh, they either have no real diving of like actually getting into theology like like lewis is at all mm-hmm. or they do it in that kind of scholarly pretentious sort of way mm-hmm. um, and I hate I, I hate both sides <laughs> of it so I guess I had not had not read a lot of about a lot about theology that or not dug into theology in a way that I, I wasn't getting annoyed with it um, just because it's one of those two things and the way he's approaching mm-hmm. defining it um, I, I was even having a good time with but obviously this entire chapter is great yeah yeah, that entire rambling sentence was just to say Lewis is the only reason why I've ever enjoyed theology because everyone else I've encountered in churches and and when I went to Liberty University, which is um, Jerry Falwell's college, I took courses in theology there and I hated every second of it. Um, but I loved reading this book a thousand times more than I did talking to anyone or doing college courses up until that point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So um, uh, I don't want to get into too much super detail uh, in this chapter like just because taking the detail that he goes into 
and then the detail that we could add and and stuff to think about um uh that would take greater than our allotted time mm-hmm. just to go like we we could have three sessions just over this chapter the making and beginning chapter all i'm going to say is it's not perfect and he admits that it's not perfect but it's in the top 3 best descriptions of the father and son portions of the trinity that I've ever had given to me by a human. Mm-hmm. It's quite good. <clears throat> yeah. Um, there's a point in here that I do want to touch on very briefly if, if before we move on to another chapter, if that's what you're, if that's what you're um, suggesting we're about to do. Well, I'm going <laughs> to mention, go over a tiny bit, just saying we're not going to go into any detail. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, slightly ahead of where we're talking, but still in the same chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's my quote here? Mm. There we go. Uh, the popular idea of Christianity is simply this, that Jesus Christ was a great moral teacher and that if only we took his advice, we might be able to establish a better social order and avoid another war. So I only um, like this because of the next part. It is quite true that if we took Christ's advice, we should soon be living in a happier world. You need not even go as far as Christ. If we all did that, Plato... If we did all that Plato or Aristotle or Confucius told us, we should get on a great deal better than we do as well. So this is like a note on how popular culture it kind of reduces Christianity to just Jesus's moral teaching, um, which is I, I I found that kind of interesting because that seems like a perfectly fine thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, a lot of people do that. I'm like, yeah, that, that's that's fine. I, I think I kind of like that, um, but. He's kind of goes further and talks about here. Where's my? I'm trying to find my other. That's why I'm rambling, and I apologize for rambling. But it's all to get to this part right here, right after the um, uh, saying, you know, "If we did everything that Plato and Aristotle or Confucius told us, we should get on a lot better, better than we do." Um, and so what? We never have followed the advice of the great teachers. Why are we likely to begin now? Why are we more likely to follow Christ than any of the others? Because he's the best moral teacher. But that makes it even less likely that we shall follow him. If we cannot take the elementary lessons, is it likely that we are going to take the most advanced one? If Christianity only means one more bit of good advice, then Christianity is of no importance. There has been no lack of good advice for the last 4,000 years, and a bit more makes no difference. Um, I really like the way he touched on that, just because you do hear a lot of people being like, oh, well, as a moral teacher, Jesus was really great. Well, I'm like, well, then he was useless then, if, if that's mm-hmm. what you're saying. If, that, if, that, if you're saying that's the point of him, then he was useless and mm-hmm. just ignore it and be done with it. And I, that's really hard-hitting, and I love it. Yes, yeah. which, of course, is a, a concept that he went over back in probably book two, maybe book one. I don't remember. I believe you. I don't but remember. I'm uh, talking, about, talking about Jesus. Um, uh, said he, Jesus did not leave open to us the option of his just being a great moral teacher, and he did not intend to. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the whole part about, um, either being, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's either God or a madman or a demon. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, it, it is basically retouching, but the way he said it here, I think I liked a little bit better, because it's like the softer approach of people being like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like, you really should, you know, just the way that he teaches, it's almost like a Joel Olstein kind mm-hmm. of approach to Jesus. Like, you know, if you read him, he's really got now. some decent stuff to say. Like, thanks, Joel, we know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of getting off on that topic, do you know what makes me the most angry about Joel Osteen? 
<laughs> I wouldn't even venture to assume what makes you the most angry about Joel Olstein. <laughs> well, okay, so every single thing that he teaches, I don't think any of it is any more or less angry than the other. So just his mere existence makes me angry. But here's sure. here's what makes it the most worst, and that is this. John Osteen, his dad, mm-hmm. was an actually like a, a legitimate real preacher. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And that's what makes me the most angry. And he's like, you know what? I can make some money <laughs> off of that idea. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, but yeah, here we go. This um, uh, this kind of th- th- this this right here sums up the chapter. Uh, But as soon as you look at any real Christian writings, you find that they are talking about something quite different from this popular religion. They say that Christ is the Son of God, whatever that means. They say that those who give him their confidence can also become sons of God, whatever that means. (laughs) They say that his death saved us from our sins, whatever that means. (laughs) I have that quote down here, too. It's really good. (laughs) Uh, That... that the, the the British sense of humor comes through though so much and it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a really good summing up. But mm-hmm. he's going he goes into a lot of detail about well, I mean technically speaking, whatever that means, but I don't know that we need to touch on that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is in what else is in the first chapter? I mean a lot of stuff. <clears throat> he talks about all the begetting, da, 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 da. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I, I don't know how I can touch on it without going into detail. So in yeah. the one part, I almost don't want to touch on it. <laughs> and honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there. Yeah. J- uh, <laughs> where's my chapter two? Yes, I agree entirely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, which all I'm 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 going to say is um, uh, uh Jesus, the man, of course, yeah, the Son of God. But you know. also, so like you know, we, we so here here's here's why here's why it's confusing and why his description is great. Um, uh, all I so here, here's I'm gonna give you guys enough of a description just to confuse you, and I'm intent. Most people don't ad- admit this when I try and do this, but I have a reason for it. I am trying to confuse you. And the reason why I'm trying to confuse you is because then you're like, I don't get it. And then you'll grab this book and read it and you'll, <laughs> because we want you guys to read this. So, so here's, here's all I'm going to say uh, on, on this part. And of course, Tyler can say more if he wants, but here's all I'm going to say on this part. We know that Christ is the literal son of God because... That's kind of how it says in, in the Bible. He's, he's begotten. No, <laughs> not, yeah. Not literal son necessarily, though, in the way that we think of son, because think about this from the Bible. We know that the father is the one who, as C.S. Lewis says, begat the son. <clears throat> um, well, it also has how it says in the Bible, but I'm using, you know, because, you know, we're referencing C.S. Lewis right now. But, um, uh, so we know that the Father begat the Son. But also, if it were a literal father-son relationship, how we see the father-son relationship, my relationship with my son and so on, then that wouldn't quite be the case. Because when, uh, when Jesus was conceived, the angel talking to Mary said, that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost, 
which means that if it was the if the father was the as we view the father son relationship if there we were viewing a literal father son relationship in this case then the holy ghost would be the father not the father so there we go i've intentionally confused everyone just to make you read (laughs) not because i want you to be confused i want you to hear what i say get confused and then go figure it out for yourself Whoa. No, I don't want to say anything else about that. Chapter 2. Okay. Chapter 2. The three-personal God. Um, uh, oh, here, here we go. Uh, the In the three-personal God, we have this sentence... Uh, said what I just said with you know not going into the same details and using different words, but here we go. These two sentences. In a way, it is like a human father begetting a human son, but not quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um. So let's see. This one is. Uh, I'm looking at some of my quotes, but I really don't know. If I want to, if I particularly care about diving into any of them, mm-hmm. um, I mean they're, they're they're great. Well, I'll read one and see if that sparks a comment from either of us. This is the first one I wrote down because it's it's good. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so like this is wrapping up around the idea that saying like, many people believe, a lot of people believe in a god or even in God, but like not necessarily personal God. Mm-hmm. So the quote for that is they feel that the mysterious something which is behind all other things must be more than a person. Uh, Christians are the only people who offer any idea of what a being that is beyond personality could be like. If you are looking for something super personal, something more than a person, then it is not a question of choosing between the Christian idea and the other ideas. The Christian idea is the only one on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really good quote. Uh, but doesn't necessarily spark a lot of conversation because I don't really want to start saying like you know Buddhists really believe I don't really have no desire to go into any of that kind of stuff but it's a good quote yeah and I think it kind of there's no point in explaining it because I think anyone who can understand a fourth grade reading level can understand what that sentence means whether you agree with it or not I mean you know what that it was pretty self-explanatory no other religion really grabs a god figure and, and gives it you know that the uh, uh, makes it a person, and I don't mean that in the literal Jesus becoming a person way. Although that does apply, it it is it is very different because if you ever go into any of the teachings of any other of any other religion, it's really everything is abstract and everything is like concepts and ideas and blah blah blah. It's never like check this dude out. Yeah, here's some things he looked someone in the face and said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dropped my page. Sounds like you tore your book open. That's not a quote I wanted. That's not. mm, Yeah, I'm looking at a lot of this, and I mean, I don't know. Say something. I can't. I'm trying to look through my quotes to find something that I actually want to talk about. This chapter is is great, but. I mean, it's more just please go read a chapter than us talk about a chapter. Yeah, I guess I'll give the his um uh, his figures analogy uh, out of it, and then that'll be that that that'll sum up the need f- the the need to read uh, quite quite need easily. To read. Mm-hmm. A world of one dimension would be a straight line. 
In a two-dimensional world, you still get straight lines, but many lines make one figure. In a three-dimensional world, you still get figures, but many figures make one solid body. In other words, as you advance to more real and more complicated levels, you do not leave behind the things... Oh, you do not leave behind you the things you found on the simpler levels. You still have them, but combined in new ways. In ways you could not imagine if you knew only the simpler levels. Now, the Christian account of God involves just the same principle. Yeah, that is um, a very com- a very uncomplex mm-hmm. way of describing something extremely complex, and mm-hmm. you could technically leave it at that for the majority of, of, of people, and that would be like, okay, good enough. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the, uh, it's too heavy for you to carry, so let me carry it sort of analogy, but I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so chapter three starts with the yes. best sentence. One of the best sentences he started a chapter with. Mm-hmm. It's this. It is a very silly idea that in reading a book you must never skip. <laughs> <laughs> And then we go to chapter four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be funny. Okay. 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 So this, um, uh, uh, I actually, I have to pull this up here. Um, Do it. Pull it up there. Oh, crap. Um, uh, do you want me to read a quote that I like while you're doing that? Because there was a yeah. quote in here that I do enjoy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like so much as a great witty one, just one that I, I, I like and I apparently noted because of that. A man put it to me by saying, I can believe in God all right, but what I cannot swallow is the idea of him attending to several hundred million human beings who are all addressing him at the same moment. Most of us can imagine God attending to any number of applicants if only they came one by one and he had an endless time to do it in. So what is really at the back of the was so what is really at the back of this difficulty is the idea of God having to fit too many things into one moment of time. It's a really interesting thing because there are a lot of people that I've talked to um, who don't who are atheist or agnostic or whatever, and a lot of them have mentioned this to me. So he actually addresses a lot of things in here. Um uh, but it's it's a lot of those types of the, those issues in here. But this mm-hmm. is one of those things where if you're talking to someone, you have to kind of get if you're debating someone about this or having a conversation. This is like the thing. It's like, look, if you don't believe in anything that's in the Bible, don't use things that are in the Bible mm-hmm. and you act like you're confused by them. Because I mean, like, if you're you either if you're going to say I don't believe in an omnipresent, omnipotent God. And the first thing you're going to say is something like, well, if the Bible says this, then I'm like, no, you're, you're now you're just saying you don't believe in it and then using it to convolute your own statement. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, uh, I'll tell you the thing I was trying to find. Now I found it. Uh, you won't be able to hear this, Tyler, but they will. Um, uh, a little bit, a little a portion of this chapter. I am going to let C.S. Lewis read in his own words. I wish I could hear it. Okay. There's music. I like music too. Okay. C.S. Lewis. In these talks, (laughs) I've had to say a good deal about prayer. 
And before going on to my main subject tonight, I'd like to deal with a difficulty some people find about the whole idea of prayer. Somebody put it to me by saying, I can believe in God all right, but what I can't swallow is this idea of him listening to several hundred million human beings who are all addressing him at the same moment. And I find quite a lot of people feel that difficulty. Well, the first thing to notice is that the whole sting of it comes in the words at the same moment. Most of us can imagine a God attending to any number of claimants if only they come one by one and he has an endless time to do it in. So what's really at the back of the difficulty is this idea of God having to fit too many things into one moment of time. Everyone, that was C.S. Lewis reading from reading from this, and I am um, uh, I I appreciate him greatly. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this later and hear what he said. Yes. Um. He said, "I had to deal, but deeply, about the subject of prayer." <laughs> 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 what a guy. Yeah, but yeah, that um uh Yeah, uh, fantastic. But no, uh it was just uh reading the first uh section about well, not the first the first paragraph is um uh wasn't included in his radio talk because it's talking about a book. Uh and and at the at the time of the radio broadcast he hadn't he had not he had yet to write this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so mm-hmm. if he, if that was a little, I don't want to talk about the same thing he was talking about. Whatever that is, I genuinely didn't hear it, so I don't know. But yep. um, so if you're, that's the prayer part, I think the next part is talking about the time stream, mm-hmm. um, which, which I is, cu- I cut it off right when he was about to start talking about that. So <laughs> I am not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listened to the audiobook of this before mm-hmm. I read the physical physical book, mm-hmm. um, and which usually means I'm driving when I do this and. I'm just stupid enough that if I'm doing two things at once, some of the denser stuff I can't quite understand as well. I mm-hmm. cannot remember how many times I listened to this section before I was like on the same level of understanding what he was trying to say. Because it's technically, once you get it, it's relatively simple, but it's it's pretty dense. He's talking about how God exists in in time. Outside, how time outside, fun, of, outside time. of time. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and it's a really interesting quote. I'm going to read the one that confused me because I, I I have it here because this genuinely got me like three times before <laughs> I picked up on the thing. Let's see. I, hopefully this isn't too lengthy, but it's, it's a bit long. Suppose I'm writing a novel, which he's done. I write, Mary laid down her work. Next moment came a knock at the door. For Mary, who has to live in the imaginary time of my story, there is no interval between putting down the work and hearing the knock. But I, who am Mary's maker, do not live in that imaginary time at all. Between writing the first half of that sentence and the second, I might sit down for three hours and think steadily about Mary. I could think about Mary as if she were the only character in the book and for as long as I pleased, and the hours I spent in doing so would not appear in Mary's time, the time outside the story, at all. Mm-hmm. Which is the segue into, God is not hurried along in the time stream of this universe any more than an author is hurried along in the imaginary time of his own novel. He has infinite attention to spare for each one of us. You are as much alone with him as if you were the only being he had ever created. When Christ died, he died for you individually, just as much as if you had been the only man in the world. Now, that is not complicated. Mm-hmm. 
but man, that first part about the author and Mary like got me at least three times. Yeah, uh, it was. But what a, it's so good. Yeah, it was. It's fantastic. This is one of my very favorite chapters <laughs> because I, I reached this same conclusion independently long before I ever read the book, and then I read the book and said, uh, and as I was reading, I was like, "Hey, that's the same thing that I realized." Wow, he's saying it so much better. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I think there's been several mm-hmm. teachers who have been talked about the concept that God has, that God must be outside mm-hmm. of our perception of time if He is omnipresent. So if mm-hmm. He is present at all, He must be constantly present at all points in time. And I mean, obviously, you can hear that and go, "Sure." And if you don't think about it, it's easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think about it, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think like. I mean, I I know it's the same thing as as that <laughs> statement I have heard. I think Kent Hovind might have been the first person I ever heard talk about it, if I remember mm-hmm. um, my own timeline rightly. I think Kent Hovind was the first person that, ever, that I ever heard bring it up in a lecture. Um, and I think, I want to say I think it made sense then, but I didn't put those two thoughts together with what Lewis was saying until I listened to what Lewis said like three times. Oh, speaking of which, um, uh, Hovind is out of jail. Hey, mm-hmm. he's been out of jail for a while, hasn't he? It has been for a little bit. Uh, let's see. He was. Let's see when 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 was when was he out? Um. Um. Let's see. Hmm. Uh, politics and conspiracy, YouTube con- copyright controversy, legal problems. That would be a legal problem. This is really interesting content. Sean is reading something on the Google. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he it looks like he got out. In 2018. Uh, 2019. 2015. Oh, even earlier. I knew it had been a while. Yeah. But he, he got in a lot earlier than I thought, though. 2007 to 2015. Yeah, he was there, he was there for an interesting amount of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Jeez. that. Um, okay, uh, next chapter. Oh, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that, that is a pretty good wrap up of... <laughs> what we were talking about. Man, there's more chapters in this book than I remember. I don't remember this chapter at all. The good infection chapter. Uh, Let's see what my notes are. Mm, Let's look at the beginning-ish. I begin this chapter by asking you to get a certain picture clear in your minds. Imagine two books lying on a table, one on top of the other. Blank, blank. It is because of the underneath book that the top book Want that the top one is resting, say, two inches from the surface of the table instead of touching the table. Let us call the underneath book A and the top book B. The position of A is causing the position of B. Now, let us imagine that both books have been in that position forever and ever. In that case, B's position would always have been resulting from A's position, but all the same, A's position would not have existed before B's position. In other words, the result does not come after the cause. That does not jog my memory of this chapter at all. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. The first person is called the father, and the second, the son. Uh, we say the first begets or produces the oh, second. We call I it begetting, not making, because it would produce the same kind as himself. Mm-hmm. It's a deeper explanation of the Trinity. Yeah, that's what. The, yeah, the the this first section is is the whole chapter about this. Um, like no. light from a lamp or heat from a fire. Oh, I okay. I, I do. I, okay, never mind. I have to say this. In the same way, we must think of the sun always streaming forth from the Father, like light from a lamp or heat from a fire, or thoughts from or thoughts from the mind. He is the self-expression of the Father. What the Father has to say, and there was never a time when he was not saying it. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, here we go. Wait, now I have to finish this because I I love it. All these pictures of light or heat are making it sound as if the father and son were two things instead of two persons. So that after all, the New Testament picture of a father and a son turns out to be much more accurate than anything we try to substitute for it. That is what always happens when you go away from the words of the Bible. It is quite <laughs> all right to go away from them for a moment in order to make some special point clear. But you must always go back. Naturally, God knows how to describe himself much better than we know how to describe him. <laughs> what was um, what was the, the quote that Brother Calcutt used to always say? The Bible sure sheds a lot of light on these commentaries. Yes. <laughs> it's so uh, good. He was a great man. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, side note just for you. I've met someone who's... Well, he's been <clears throat> a painter. He's been someone who's been buying paint for me for years uh, mm-hmm. now and recently he was like oh yeah he said well, you said you're from richmond right i'm like yeah he goes yeah i used to be pastor of the church down there and i was like oh yeah he goes yeah he said do you go do you know the welsh's i was like yeah he goes i'm uh he's like well he said you went grew up in a pentecostal church he said what i'm uh which one and i said um oh bethel chapel and he goes oh my goodness he said i spent so much time with brother calicott i was like who in the world I, it, he ends up being someone who he actually. Um, do you remember Jason Lance? I do not. Okay, I didn't remember him either. But he mm-hmm. apparently was very close with Brother Calicott and everyone in the church. Like he remembered, like um, he knows all the same people from from that whole circle of of individuals back there. And mm-hmm. he remembered Mom and Aunt Darla and everything. It's crazy. Wow. Very very. Strange. <clears throat> I've been talking to this guy for years and never knew this. But yeah, very mm-hmm. strange. Very strange moment that was. Yeah, just between carry on people. If he's associated with the Welshes, the only person I can think of, I I I can remember who was associated with them, was Jonathan Welsh, and he well, was one c- closely associated. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there is a good um, quote in here that kind of wraps up the good infection part of the book. I mean, because obviously that's the the very last two sentences, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's it's actually the last three. Um. Mm-hmm. But I would almost say let's read that and move on because one, there's a lot in here that there's no point in us touching on. It's better to be read, and then we also should be moving on anyways. Yes. Um, now the whole offer which Christianity makes is this: that we can, if we let God have His way, come to share in the life of Christ. If we do, we shall then be sharing a life which was begotten, not made, which always has existed and always will exist. Christ is the Son of God. If we share in this kind of life, we also shall be sons of God. Mm-hmm. We shall love the Father as he does, and the Holy Ghost will rise in us. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has by what I call, he has, but sorry, dash in the wrong spot, he has by what I call good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Mm. Which... Uh, goes references back to something else that that he said, and that is uh, we would live a lot differently 
n- if we knew that man would live forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which actually is a borderline. It's it, it's really funny because that's the same point that atheists like to make mm-hmm. um, about not living forever. I'm like, uh, but the opposite. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh, I don't want to get on to. Yeah. Okay, so the next chapter is titled "The Obstinate Toy Soldier." And mm-hmm. I have to say something that doesn't actually have to do with the book. Well, it I'm sure it has something to do with the book. I'm sure that the man I'm about to reference said something that C.S. Lewis used at some point or other because that's the way that this man was and the way C.S. Lewis was. But um, uh, Charles Thomas Stud. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, man was an absolute T-T. stud. Yeah. Um, uh, but he said something that made me feel kind of bad. And that was this. It was a book that he wrote. A book that he wrote in the 1870s, I believe. And he wrote the book. Because uh, the, book, well, the, the book was called Chocolate Soldiers. Um, uh, and it was about the chocolate soldier. Which was, uh, it's a perfectly fine, good model of a soldier. It looks like a soldier. Sure, sure seems like a soldier. But as soon as you apply heat, he melts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and um, uh, and he was talking about the reason why he wrote the book. And he said the reason why he wrote the book. Keep in mind, this was in the 1870s. And um, uh, uh, he said, because... The church, he said, because the the church today, and this is him saying 1870, is full of mamby-pamby chocolate soldiers, weak men who won't stand up to anything, and we need to put a stop to it. And I thought, wow, if he said that in 1870, what would he say today? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, the 70s. Uh-huh. The eighteen seventies, yeah. Not even the same seventies. The other seventies, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of. Mm. Uh, let's see. Mm. Okay. Man, I, now, now, now I have to give you a, another quote from uh, from from the book. It goes like this: When told there is a lion in the way, the true Christian will say, "No, that's not enough inducement for me. Throw in a bear or two, and then it'll be worth my time to go." <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> Anyways, the obstinate toy soldier. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, someone made that. There's a place uh, that um, yeah, we're, we're diverting again. There's I don't uh, know if this is a Reddit page or if this is a Facebook page I'm a part of. I can't remember now, but they make um a lot of it, it's like called, titled like dank Christian memes or something <laughs> weird like that. <laughs> but you know the format where it always shows like um, it shows like the top half is like a guy making a crying face. And then the other side is, like, the Chad face with, like, the beard and the blonde hair and everything. And he says something back to him that's uber manly or macho or whatever. (laughs) And, like, the first one was, it was one of those crying faces. And it says, please stop, Jesus. This is too hard. And then Jesus says, like, I promise you'll be okay or something like that. But then the second one is the Chad face. And he's, like, bringing on more trials and tribulations. And Jesus going, now we're talking. Well, okay, so you, now the, the reference to the very exact thing, you know um, uh, what C.T. Studd did. You know, he was extraordinarily wealthy from being a, a good cricket player and then also from having a huge inheritance. And he gave all of his money 
to a he gave all his money away except for three thousand dollars that he had set back to give to his wife when they got married, and uh, and that made her mad. I'm sorry, three thousand dollars, three thousand pounds, um, uh, which by the way was like uh, the equivalent of well over half a million dollars today. Um, uh, <laughs> but and that made her very mad, and she said, "Hey, if you." Is like if God's gonna take care of you, it makes you think He won't take care of me. And she gave away that money too. And which, <laughs> which, by the way, side note: where he gave all his money to was George Mueller's orphanage. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, but or one of one of his many, I suppose. Um, uh, but he um, uh, uh, and then he said later, then they would get low on money from time to time, and he, he was quoted once as saying talking to his wife and saying my dear the funds are low again hallelujah I am so thankful that God trusts us enough to put his reputation in our hands <laughs> they, just, they just don't make people like that anymore <laughs> I mean, it sounds so old when I say crap like that but I mean oh my like well, not to not mm-hmm. to be dumped, but what a stud. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> we're willing to get back to this book because we're not yeah. even halfway through, and we are diverting into great diversions, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the obstinate toy soldier. Um, Should we even read this? Should we talk about this chapter at yeah, this point? We've uh, done so many things around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, uh, here we go. Uh, whatever you do, do not start quarreling with other people because they use a different formula from yours. Okay? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Chapter six. There's two notes. Nothing to do with the part of that. Hey, uh, we can skip over two notes. Uh, it's him. Yeah, he's going back and clarifying some stuff from the previous chapters. It's also very short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's pretend. Um. Hold on, I have to read. Okay, I have to read this. Here we go. May I once again start by putting two pictures or two stories, rather, into your minds? One is a story you have all read called Beauty and the Beast. The girl, you remember, had to marry a monster for some reason. And she did. She kissed it as if it were a man. And then, much to her relief, it really turned out into a man and all went well. (laughs) (laughs) Much to her relief. Uh. <laughs> uh. He also parallels the story about the guy in the mask and everything, which doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it's worth mentioning. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. What in here? I don't remember this chapter at all. Not even a little bit. Mm. Uh, oh, oh, it's the pre- it's the the pretending chapter. Here we go. I'll read this. It'll solve the <laughs> chapter, and then you know you can decide how much detail we go into after that. Here we go. <clears throat> Talking about the Lord's Prayer. Its very first words are, Our Father. Do you now see what those words mean? They mean, quite frankly, that you are putting yourself in the place of a son of God. To put it bluntly, you are dressing up as Christ. If you like, you are pretending. Because, of course, the moment you realize what the words mean, you realize that you are not a son of God. You are not a being like the Son of God, whose will and interests are at one with those of the Father. You are a bundle of self-centered fears, hopes, greeds, jealousies, and self-conceits, all doomed to death. So that in a way, this dressing up as Christ is a piece of outrageous cheek. But the odd thing is that he has ordered us to do it. 
<laughs> I have that quote down here, but I've forgotten. I don't remember the context and the rest of... I'm sure it's just him describing that in better detail, because that's what most of these chapters are. Um, there, I mean, there is, like, let's let's make one... I'll make one um, point from here, just because it's him doing his describing thing a little better. Mm-hmm. Where is it at? I know I have. Uh, surely I do. Here we go. Uh, when you are not feeling particularly friendly, but know you ought to be, the best thing you can do very often is to put on a friendly manner and behave as if you were a nicer person than you actually are. Me every day. Mm-hmm. And in a few minutes, as we have all noticed, you will be really feeling friendlier than you were. Very often, the only way to get a quality in result is this, to start behaving as if you had it already. Um, so that's that's kind of just a and a good example of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and that of course, um, uh, you guys will notice parallels. Um, uh, any any Christians who are listening will notice this parallel. Any non Christians who have read the book or who have listened to our previous podcast will also notice this parallel. Um, uh, going back to the loving your enemy bit or loving your neighbor, loving whoever, and that is if you find that you do not love your neighbor. Act as if you did love him, and you will find before too long that you have grown to love him. Excuse me, this is a very interesting thing, and I can definitely say that this is, um, this is a very hard thing to understand Mm -hmm. if you haven't actually gone through with it. Um, the number of times I I can think of people that I genuinely cannot stand, Mm -hmm. uh, that I genuinely do not like, maybe it's because what they stand for, who they are, what they do, maybe what they've done to me personally. If you take each interaction and just, even if it's just being civil and polite and like just doing that, the change in the way you think about that person is kind of astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people can kind of see a parallel of this when they're thinking about anyone they've seen do something really wrong mm-hmm. in let's say the news and then like the more and more you hear bad stuff about that person the more and more you're going to be like oh it's negative there's more negativity we're being more negative and then if you flip that over and go through all the positive stuff you're slowly going to be like more and more positive about the, it's, it's it's all about the it's he's basically saying it's all about the mindset if you mm-hmm. are going to put yourself in the proper mindset and act in the proper way you are eventually going to be lined up more now more positive and more properly which um uh on the one hand, your reference, that's because we're receiving more information to one or the other. If all I hear about a person is good, then I will think good things of that person. If all I hear about him is bad, then I'll hear bad, I will think bad things about him because that's all the information I have. Whereas uh, it is, you know, the same result, but a slightly different, uh, slightly different reason for it. And I want to point out the reason because it's very important. Um, uh, the same thing with this that we're talking about here and with the previous loving your, your enemy, and that is... Man, of course, is naturally, um, uh, thanks to the sinful nature, naturally terrible. Uh, uh, but, to, and of course, to love, to, to, to be a son of God, uh, to love one's neighbor and one's enemy, uh, all that stuff, those are all, the, the, that, that is, is Christ-like. Of course, loving one's neighbor is Christ-like. Of course, the son of God is Christ. So to try to be a son of God, of course, would be try to be Christ-like. Um, uh and God is very, very good at rewarding attempts to be Christ-like. That is, as you try to be Christ-like, you will be made Christ-like. Because mm. we cannot do it, we can only try. And so therefore, when we try, God rewards us with the result. This is, kind of ties loosely 
uh, not loosely ties pretty well into his um, mm. talks about uh, repentance. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the person said the the perfect repentant, of course, was someone who has the ability to do repent and therefore doesn't exist. Um, it's the it's the act of of it's the act of repenting and the mindset of repenting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the, the the next chapter is just a couple pages, and it's the the chapter is a question: Is Christianity hard or easy? Yeah, is Christianity hard or easy? And the answer to yes. that question is yes. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, him talking a lot very cleverly about how the answer is yes. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't really read much much through it, but I, I'm, so I'm going to answer that question in my own words, and that is, like what I said before, it starts off very hard. Um, uh, at, 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 well... It, y- yes and no, I guess. So it starts off very, very, very easy. You'll ne- you will not under you won't be able to fathom how easy it starts off, and then after a few, after a little bit of time, it becomes extremely hard, and then that is very hard to overcome. Once you overcome that, it becomes even easier than the extremely easy time at the beginning. It's another um um. Earlier in the book, thing he talks about um, when he makes the 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 kind of parallel to becoming what? a Christian as to saying you are a broken down house and you're asking Christ to come into your house and fix it, and your initial thought is like, well, he's going to come in here and he's going to fix the leaky plumbing and he's going to, you know, um, make sure mm-hmm. like the the electricity is running again and like the big huge glaring problems that you're aware of and those things happen very quickly and very easily and the mm-hmm. relief in your life is what makes that part very easy then all of a sudden um, he starts tearing down walls and <laughs> exactly he's tearing, like the tearing down walls and reintegrating this place and adding mm-hmm. on a wing all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff and that's where the difficulty does come from all the things that maybe you didn't think were that bad and maybe didn't even necessarily want to change that's the the biggest sit down thing I had by myself about this book is the difficulty is the mm-hmm. things that you didn't think you needed to change and maybe you didn't even want to change because they weren't they're things that it's so much easier to hold on to or that maybe you consider it to be like something um okay I'll give it I wasn't going to give this I wasn't going to give this um analogy but I think I'm going to because it just sums it up so well um I won't be too specific though. There's a very particular individual in my life who I obviously have a huge issue with um, mm-hmm. as a person and what this person does and things this person has done. Ah, yes. And yeah, <laughs> we don't have to get too specific, but Sean knows what the situation is, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very, it was very, very difficult um, to. To not be like, okay, something bad is happening to this person. Well, good. They deserve to have that thing bad happen to them. I'm glad they're suffering for things that have happened to them that are bad. And you don't... It's almost like I didn't want to feel mm-hmm. the pangs of, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely wrong. And it, it it's, it's, it's almost like, no, you almost feel like this person has done you so much wrong that it almost feels wrong to say no it's bad that bad things are happening to them I hope that their life does get better because there's nothing positive about someone's life being bad mm-hmm. and it, it's it's very difficult to let go of 
of some things in your life and some thoughts of your life that you think, no, I should be allowed to have this. I should be allowed to go through to do this particular thing. It's not in the Bible that this is a sin. I should be able to do this. And there you have Christ inside of you going like, no, that's not how, that's not what I would do. That's not how this should be. You're not going to do that anymore. And it is very hard because some things feel like they're a part of you or things that you feel that you're owed or things that you feel you're allowed. And it's very difficult for that part of becoming a Christian because that's not Christ-like. Having negative thoughts about someone or hating someone is not Christ-like. And it's very difficult to get over some of these things. <clears throat> so, um, uh, I, um, uh, <clears throat> there was a time when I wished bad things on you. And I, pray, I prayed that the, that bad things would happen to you, and I asked others to help me pray that bad things would happen to you. <laughs> however, uh, however, um, uh, you you'll understand much better uh, how, how it was when um. Uh, you, you, so th this was I don't remember if this is the exact wording or not, but this was the concept behind my prayer. This was a, this was a few years ago. My prayer went something like this: God, take Tyler's life and make it miserable stack trouble and trouble and trouble on top of him have as many bad things happen to him as you can until the he reaches the point when he has absolutely no way out and he has to turn to you <laughs> which is to one degree it's actually a relatively common prayer especially in the circle that we grew up in yeah <clears throat> But it's not... <laughs> not <right>. quite... Not <laughs> well, it's also not quite the same, because I'm not saying, you know, take his money, take his house, you know, do this, this, like, yeah, this yeah. you know, d don't give him a choice. And then, but then, of course, as soon as, you, you know, but I think then as soon as that happens, you know, he'll realize, oh, well, these troubles weren't so bad, and you know, that's not, you know. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know. It's very... <laughs> it, all of those things are, are very interesting, because there's so many things that we do um, mm -hmm. that we think we're like, this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. It feels right. We're going to do these things and we're going to say these things and it's going to be right. And then at some point <clears throat> you feel that like, nope, you know what? This is, you think this is what Jesus would have done? Probably not. Mm -hmm. and it's like, Ugh, gosh darn it. He did go and beat up a bunch of people though. He did beat up a bunch of people, <laughs> which I stand by, I stand by, <laughs> you know, just, just in case I have that in my back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> which chapter was that? That was hard or easy? Yes. Yeah, hard or easy. Counting the cost is the next one. Um. Uh... <coughs> Excuse me. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um. Counting the cost. Um. Uh. I don't remember what this is, chapter is about. I can give um... you a, a quote that I have down here to see if it jogs anyone's memory. Yeah. Do it. Some people seem to think this means unless you are perfect, I will not help you. Oh, by the way, that's the the be in reference to the be perfect thing. I have that in a side note, but it's not a quote. Mm -hmm. um, that's in, in the Bible. Um, yeah. Some people seem to think that this means unless you are perfect, I will not help you. And as we cannot be perfect, our position is hopeless. But I do not think he did mean that. I think he meant the only help I will give is to help to become perfect. You may want something less, but I will give you nothing less. And that ties into what we were just talking about, uh, about how the whole thing of being like, oh, we're going to fix this thing and this thing. And uh, God's like, nope, we're going for perfection. We're fixing all the things. You're getting crown molding. Mm -hmm. That was funny. Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was funny. I I wasn't paying quite enough attention to laugh now. That was my fault. I was reading the next bit here. Um, uh, 
Yeah, uh, we have so the command B perfect is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command. <clears throat> I think that's. Is that right mm -hmm. before or right after the talk about the dentist? Right before. No, right. it's 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 after. So it's towards the very end. Oh well, then never mind. That's a really good wrap up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, dentist is just his. Uh, analogy yeah now, of course end with the last couple sentences the process will be long and in parts very painful but that is what we are in for nothing less he meant what he said he meant what he said mm -hmm. um <clears throat> there's some good quotes i have written down before that but they're just reiterating what i just said so i'd rather leave mm -hmm. it be yeah the next chapter chapter 10 is the penultimate chapter in this book um uh but it's um uh there's uh there's a spoiler to it uh, if you know the, the title of the final chapter, because this chapter is titled Nice People or New Men is chapter 10. However, chapter 11 is titled New Men. So, <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's not nicer people. <laughs> also, if you had to be a nice person to be a Christian, like, g good lord, what would we be doing? <laughs> no, no. <clears throat> I know. Sad thoughts. Mm-hmm. Are so bubbly and full of joy. I'm trying to find where's my quote in here that I liked. I liked. I, I know I had one in here that I liked. Ba, 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 ba. Maybe it's this one. If conversion to Christianity makes no improvement in a man's outward actions, I think we must suspect that his conversion was largely imaginary. Jump. Fine feelings, new insights, greater interest in religion mean nothing unless they make our actual behavior better. Just as an illness feeling better is not much good if the thermometer shows that your temperature is still going up. Christ told us to judge by results. When we Christians behave, I'm skipping, sorry. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. Our careless lives set the outer world talking and we give them grounds for talking in a way that throws doubt on the truth of Christianity itself. But there is another way of demanding results in which the outer world may be quite illogical. They should see the whole world neatly divided into two camps, Christian and non-Christian, and that all the people in the first camp at any given moment should be obviously nicer than all the people in the second. <clears> Oof. <throat> <clears throat> There's a lot so, of really good stuff after that, but I'll just be reading and reading and reading. Yeah, so to go going right after what you just <laughs> read, um, uh, we have this piece here, um, uh, and it's uh, it's it's worth saying. It's it's worth saying. So, in the first place, the situation in the actual world is much more complicated than that. The world does not consist of 100% Christians and 100% non-Christians. There are people, a great many of them, who are slowly ceasing to be Christians, but who still call themselves by that name. Some of them are clergymen. Oof. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> oh, Lewis. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not being silent for any other reason. I'm trying yeah. to find... <clears throat> A good breakdown here. Here we go. I've got a good summary. Okay, quote. so I, I think I have found a summary quote because it says, if Christianity is true, then it ought to follow, and then he gives some points. So that must be it. So here we go. If Christianity is true, then it ought to follow that any Christian will be nicer than the same person would be if he were not a Christian, and that any man who becomes a Christian will be nicer than he was before. 
just as in the oh, yeah. same way that if the advertisements of White Smiles toothpaste are true, it ought to follow that anyone who uses it will have a better teeth than the same person would if he did not use it, and that if anyone begins to use it, his teeth will improve. <laughs> but to point out that I, who use white smiles, and also have inherited bad teeth from both my parents, have not got so fine a set as some healthy young negro who never had used any toothpaste at all, does not by itself prove that the advertisement are untrue. <laughs> Christian Miss Bates may have an unkinder tongue than unbelieving Dick Foreskin, or er, Dick Furkin. Um, <laughs> Um, that was a terrible joke, and I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> All right, next. So next chapter. Next chapter. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, the 19th century was wild, man. <laughs> uh, it was the 20th. 20th century. I didn't yeah. mean to say that. I really genuinely did. The 1900s were wild. Mm -hmm. man. In the last chapter, I compared Christ's work of making new men to the process of turning a horse into a winged creature. Hey, hey, he did that in his book. That was a book. Yeah, he, he did. did, he, did he talked about that. It was a strawberry. And he turned into a Pegasus. Yeah, fledged. He flew kids. He, they flew him to the place with the apples. Which, by the way, what, what an unoriginal name for something that sprouts wings. I know. Fledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a children's book, Sean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess, I mean, I say unoriginal. No, it's not unoriginal. It was intentional. Uh, it was original. No one else had done that. <laughs> I cannot call anything by C.S. Lewis truly unoriginal. <laughs> it's, it's also worth mentioning that, like, that type of, that same dry British style sense of humor is, like, when he's, whenever you, like, he's, he's in these stories, side note to everything we're saying, sorry. He'll like meet. He'll he'll be like he'll going with a part of the story or a quote, and then there's like, you know, uh, the little sentences he puts in there that is basically the author saying something like, "Jill, blah 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 blah," and then like a little author's note in there, and it'll always be like, "This thing happened. Something over here. This other stuff. How original!" And then he goes on to something else. Like he's making fun of himself, and it's beautiful, and I love it. Okay, mm -hmm. <clears throat> here we go. Now back to my hunch. Yep. The new man. <clears throat> Perhaps a modern man can understand the Christian idea best if, if he takes it in connection with evolution. Everyone now knows about evolution, though of course some educated people disbelieve it. Um, uh, everyone has been told that man has evolved from lower types of life. Consequently, people often wonder, what is the next step? When is the thing beyond man going to appear? Imaginative writers try sometimes to picture this next step, the Superman, as they call him, but they usually only succeed in picturing someone a good deal nastier than man as we know him, and then try to make up for that by sticking on extra legs or arms. But suppose the next step was to be something even more different from the earlier steps than they ever dreamed of, and is, not very li and is it not very likely it would be? Thousands of centuries ago, huge, very heavily armored creatures were evolved, they say, if anyone had at that time been watching the course of evolution, he would probably have expected that he was going to go on getting heavier and heavier armor. But he would have been wrong. The future had a card up its sleeve, which nothing <laughs> at that time would have led to him led him to expect. You've activated my trap card. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this, oh man, man, oh mm -hmm. crap, I'm about to tangent really, really hard, but just stop me as soon as I finish saying this sentence, please. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that not make you so angry whenever you read so many of these 
so many authors writing a work of fiction they're like it's an alien here's an alien it has two arms two legs and it has a face and a mouth and ears how weird mm -hmm. look how humanoid this thing is like that's so stupid mm -hmm. that, that's one reason why like you know the the true father of science fi modern science fiction hp lovecraft um uh that's why i love his stuff so much because a lot of his stuff was, of course, yes, vaguely humanoid, vaguely reminiscent of some stuff that we know in our world. But it's so crazy and outlandish and wild that every single artist rendition of them, the one exception being Cthulhu, because Lovecraft himself drew Cthulhu. Drew the description and pictures, yeah. yes. Yeah, he drew a picture himself, so therefore you kind of have to get that one somewhat the same. Um, uh, but besides that, every single artist makes them look drastically different mm -hmm. because his descriptions are of such things that are so outlandish that if you <coughs> don't see it, you'd have no idea what was being described. I had someone tell me the other day, they were asking about... <coughs> we, excuse me. Mm -hmm. We brought this up several times on the podcast that I'm, mm -hmm. I have a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of Lovecraftian-inspired tattoos and stuff, and I've had people ask me about them before. And I talk about it, and I've had someone the other day ask me about it, and they go like, you know, I could never really get into Lovecraft because his monsters aren't very <laughs> believable, you know? I'm like, I hate you. I hate everything you stand for. I hate, I bet you drink Pepsi. You're such a terrible human. <laughs> uh, revert to my favorite insult. I hope you spill coffee on all your library books. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you say that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, going back to, the, back to the evolution thing, it's very interesting uh, reading uh, uh, Lewis and Chesterton. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis, that's something that I think he struggled with a lot because when he was an atheist, of course, he was a staunch believer in evolution. And it still made sense to him even after he became a Christian. So he struggled with, is it true or is it not? Um, uh, and then he got to the point where he said, eh, it might be true. I don't care. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it might be true, it might not be true. But then, of course, you have, have Chesterton, who established his, his beliefs and not believing evolution long before. And, of course, the everlasting man is just a big, long, per huge proof of how man could not have possibly evolved from something else. And, and why would you believe that, you idiot? We have to side note here, because I do think this is important mm -hmm. to say. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that a lot of people who are, who are atheists or uh, we'll just, we'll just say people who, um, have strong <clears throat> beliefs that, um, that the, the, the version of creation, the Bible is completely illegitimate and that the way that we read it in a, a textbook for high school is completely legitimate. Mm -hmm. There are some steps that I would say everyone Every, I think everyone should do should do this. So when I had a lot of problems, um, mm -hmm. and this is probably like in my late teens, very early 20s, mm -hmm. I think at some point I realized I've never really been questioning anything that I've ever believed in. Mm -hmm. um, I've always just believed it. Mm -hmm. And I so I did two things. Um, the first thing is I knew I was smart enough even then to know if all I do is look for proof of what I'm believing then I'm just in an echo chamber and I'll never learn anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I went out and I read I read Dawkins. Um, I read or, or watched a lot of videos and, and some reading, I should say, of um, uh, um, 
Oh, the the British actor who I actually love very much. Fry. Fry. Stephen mm-hmm. Fry. Yeah, we came to the exact same moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, Listen to a lot of his stuff and a lot of his explanations on on atheism in the beginning of the world and stuff like that. And I read a lot of these things. And then I said, okay, now that I've done that, I've done my due diligence. I need to go seek out proof for what I think I believe in. And then um, I went, uh, Kent Hovind, um, mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff, actually primarily him. I don't like a whole lot of people outside of him, if I'm being honest. But the, a lot, the uh, KHs. Yeah. That's fair. The KHs. Kent um, Hovind, Ken Ham. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't like Ken Ham. Ken Ham left a sour taste in my mouth after that debate with Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah. I hated that debate and it made me angry. Oh, oh yeah, they were both idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah, it made me. I really hated yeah. that because they both uh-huh. sucked in that. Um, but uh, that was a side note. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went out and I studied each side of the argument very deeply and I thought, okay, now what do I think? And I came to the conclusion that I have, and you and I have it, and I don't want to say shockingly similar, because it's not shocking that they're similar, but very, very, very similar sets of beliefs when it comes to that. But then another thing that I think everyone should do, um, not too long ago, Rhett and Link of Good Mythical Morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> on their podcast, actually released two very long um, episodes for each of them, and one of them, they did one of uh, each of them at a time. One of the guys and Red and then Link had their own episode about how they used to be staunch Christians, mm-hmm. um, creationists, and how they came from that belief into being, you know, we'll just say the more modern man, mm-hmm. if you want to think of it that way. Yeah, and it was their journey from point A to point B. And then they had, like, a, a year later, they did an update on that. And I genuinely think everyone should go and listen to those. And it's the opposite of what happened. Well, it's not the opposite of what happened to me. Uh, but it's similar mm-hmm. because, I mean, it was a journey and a search for truth, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they came to a completely, completely different conclusion than I did. But mm-hmm. I still think it's so wonderful to listen to in a way because it's two guys in really great detail going through their journey and people they're two guys who are very good at talking and explaining feelings and emotions mm-hmm. um, and exp- applying that ability to communicate to the emotions and, and the, the stuff that they went through in that process mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people have some trouble understanding why they're thinking or feeling what they're doing what, what they're what they have, they're having trouble translating their own thoughts and feelings and <clears throat> this is a really good way of understanding why you're going through it what the journey should be to get to where you're going, and then you should be looking at both sides of the issue. And there are a lot of Christians who will tell you not to do that. They will mm-hmm. say, don't look at the other side. Don't look at this. Don't do that. But I don't think that's what apologetics is about. I think apologetics is the study of what you believe in, the study, here's all the reasons why, here's all the scientific proof, here's all this stuff. But if you don't understand the other side mm-hmm. at all, how are you going to know what you really believe? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I don't know why I got on this tangent, but that's something that's been uh, the more I, I I run into so so few Christians who know why they believe what they believe, so few. And I only thought about it recently because my friend, I have a good friend, his name's Drew, um, fantastic individual. He's the only other guy that I know that's really gotten into apologetics mm-hmm. and and like understands this stuff. But even with him, like, and he's a moderate drum player. Wrong guy. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this, this is no. This is the one who's in the army. Oh, okay, um, yeah, he's an absolute stud of a human being. Uh, love him to death. But even with him, we've gotten to some very deep conversations about theology. Mm-hmm. And 
even he like runs into brick walls and but like he can't bring himself to believe in hell for instance so we've had long discussions about this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. it's it's i it's shocking to me that you never run into uh, how how infrequently you run to someone who be- understands why they believe everything they believe so if you are listening to this and you are a staunch believer <clears throat> in the bible word for word and you're a creationist you need to look at everything if you're someone who comes into here and you're a staunch evolutionist and you don't believe in god and you're an atheist you need to look into everything because i don't respect <clears throat> either of you mm-hmm. well see, and, and, see, and that, that's the thing like i'll come across a few things that um uh, that i believe and then someone will say why do you believe that and I'll and my response to, to that sometimes is I just do I have absolutely no idea why and for that reason I'm not going to encourage you to believe it I just you know maybe once I figure out a reason I'll start saying here's why I think you should believe it too but for now I just I believe it and uh, you know, I don't have any real proof for it so you you can do your own thing on this one <laughs> yeah go knock yourself out yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's those people who like come mm-hmm. at me like I work with two people uh, who aggressively have an opinion and they have no grounds for mm-hmm. why they have their belief systems and why they believe in what they believe if they are even remotely challenged they mm-hmm. are done immediately angry and frustrated because they realize that because you're calling them out and you put them in a corner because they have no reason to believe no reason for why they believe what they believe it's mostly political but that's mm-hmm. beside the point they'll, they'll be like this thing it's this thing and it's terrible and it's this thing I'm like why instant anger mm-hmm. yeah one All time you can do that suck mm-hmm. you suck yeah I can't remember who my friend was in this context but I was a friend and I were arguing against something that we believed to someone who also believed it but we wanted to we wanted him to give answer why mm-hmm. why it was true and he never did and he just kept saying like well you guys are saying this and this and this and this and then eventually like after like you know 30 minutes of arguing you know and him never having said anything is like look okay hold on shut up for a second we agree with you. We agreed with you from the beginning. We just wanted you to explain why. And the next time someone has this argument, here's the reason why you believe this. It's because of this. It's found right here, and here's the description of it, and this is why you believe it. And that that almost made him angrier than, than the other, which was yeah. funny. <clears throat> I have, on one occasion, mm-hmm. um, it has been a long time ago, successfully completely defended evolution and -hmm. to the same person as soon as we were done completely defended creationism Mm -hmm. and and both times had the person completely dumbfounded as to what to say next both times and and i'm not Mm -hmm. that's again i want to clarify something here i am not special i'm not looking at me saying look what i did i'm so great i'm saying that person's really dumb that person's really dumb. If, you, <laughs> if you're not grounded mm-hmm. and you don't under, if you don't understand why you believe what you believe, I think the only way you can really truly believe what you believe is to understand the opposing argument to what you believe. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a grounding and everything surrounding what you're saying, stop freaking talking about it. Yeah. So I, I, so I, I, I think both is true, and that is this: if you, like, for example, if I study the Bible, so I have a perfect understanding of the Bible. 
anything relating to Christianity or opposed to Christianity that a person comes up and asks me about, I will have an answer and I'll have a correct answer because I genuinely, un without reading any other text other than the Bible um, uh, and a text from any opposing viewpoints, I can, I can, from a Christian standpoint, refute anything that is incorrect and prove anything that is true. However, that is if something is brought to my attention. It comes up to me and says, well, what about this? I'll have an answer. But I won't know, I won't be able to go around and... Now, of course, I can say, here's what's true, here's why it's true, and keep saying that. The benefit to learning about other things is so that you can challenge them before the questions are asked. If a person says, yeah, but what about this? Um, uh, then you, if, if I have a perfect understanding of Christianity and that's it, person says, what about this? I'll have the answer. But I can't go up and say, not only is this right, but it's better than this because, and then I can refute what you believe by understanding that by proving what I believe. So, but, uh, so in order to, to, in order to answer a challenge before the challenge is presented, I have to understand both. If I'm waiting on the challenge to be presented, I only have to understand mine. <laughs> this is true, and I think a lot of people that we um, would have ran in circles with and believed very similar things to, this is where they really fall short, is because they only exist in that one category of, I believe this thing, and I'm in an echo chamber, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, think of, do you, I, I know you'll remember, but I mean, there was a time when we were not very old, mm -hmm. and we were at a church camp. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and and we were we were beating in Bible trivia people who were trained to be pastors at a Bible college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that should have been the most embarrassing point of these people's lives, right? The thing that you're all about. You're like, I have a special calling from God, and I'm going to become a pastor and teach an entire group of people, and I'm going to do special training. And these kids who are six and seven or six and eight years younger than me are dunking on me right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, now so that, that's, that's a shout-out to mom. That's not us yeah. being special. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, still, how you should have walked away from there and cried in your bunk that mm -hmm. night. Yeah, so I am... Uh... I went to a Bible college myself. Uh, I didn't really learn much <laughs> that I didn't already know, but um, yeah, uh, yeah but uh, that, of course, that's not why I went. Uh, I went for a different reason. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but they. Um, uh, uh, but I was talking to, I was talking to my wife at one point, and I said something to her, and I forget, I forget what it was, and she said. You shouldn't go around saying that. I said, why? She said, well, you, would you say it to church people? I said, I did say it to church people. I said, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Never mind. I said, because I, I said it to the people at OBI, and those aren't real church people. Hey. <laughs> uh, that was great. <clears throat> I hear no lies. Yeah. Okay, so... um. Uh, I think this is a great thing to end the podcast on. We actually, we rambled, but we didn't go into, like, saying stupid stuff like we sometimes, like we did on the last time. And so that that's a, a big benefit. Um, uh, and so I uh, will see if Tyler has time to do this by whether or not this comes out later. Uh, we may do, uh, after this, record a YouTube exclusive of us playing 
Vanguard, I suppose, because we don't know if we have time to do into anything more detail. Um, uh, so if you see if you see a Call of Duty uh, video pop up on the YouTube channel, you'll know that's what happened. If you don't, then it didn't happen. Uh, but the this episode, I believe, is ended, and I think I shall end it by saying this. Tyler, you said earlier you need to be grounded in what we're saying, and that works out great because, Tyler, you're grounded.